0: This is the Fatherhood Unlocked podcast, and my name is Dan Doty. I'm a father of three, an outdoorsman, and a meditator, and supporting dads to be the best version of themselves is my highest calling. Fatherhood is the biggest rite of passage in a man's life. It's our biggest opportunity to grow up, to wake up, and to learn who we actually are. I believe that a father's love is the biggest missing vitamin on the planet. This podcast is intended to be a lightning rod to call men to action, to create community, and to set a new tone and standard for what fatherhood means. Welcome to Fatherhood Unlocked. Dr. Dan Singley. Is the founder of the Center for Men's Excellence. He's also a San Diego based board certified psychologist and director with over 20 years of clinical experience. His research and practice focus on men's mental health, with a particular emphasis on reproductive psychology and the transition to fatherhood. Dr. Dan is also the rising president, the president elect of the American Psychological Association's. Men's organization. So it's called the Society for Psychological Study of Men and Masculinities. Dr. Dan is the boss over there. I have been having conversations with Dan for a couple months now. And each time we've connected, it has been a like, like just a generative kind of like exciting experience. So Dr. Dan and I have very similar overlapping uh, interests and passions, and our work is generally seems to be angled in exactly the same direction. It's like we're aiming at the same target, but our backgrounds are, are very different. I made a choice in my late 20s specifically to not go the route of being a clinician or an academic or taking that approach to men and men's work and growth. And Dr. Dan has. And at this point in my life, I am really, really, really excited to be in cahoots with him. Um, I am finding myself very, very, very motivated to learn more about the clinical studies that have been done to get more of a science sort of backed approach to all of this fatherhood stuff. And Dr. Dan, is he's the man. He's the man for that. Uh, This conversation is fairly broad and conceptual in some ways, but we start with a really important question, and it kind of is the backbone of the conversation. And that question is, how might we foster a balanced and flexible way of being a man when the concept of masculinity is not salient to most people. A better way to say that, or a simple way to say that, is how do we help men be flexible, open, and healthy when masculinity is fucking squirrely? And it's hard to land on, it's hard to understand, and it's hard to have a sense of what it even means in today's culture. So I'm really excited to share this conversation like really excited. And I probably say that every week in every episode, but uh, I don't say it if it's not true. And this one, there's definitely some extra oomph to it. So you can see Dr. Dan Singley's work at menexcel.com. That's M-E-N-E-X-C-E-L.com. Check him out, check all of the great research he's done, the writing he's done. And uh, I am looking forward to more collaboration with him in the future. All right. Before we hit go and dive into this conversation, I want to share that uh, we are enrolling for an ongoing men's group called Father's Fire. Father's Fire is an opportunity to come together with a community of dads, like-minded dads, who are who are up for the journey, man, who are up for getting into things, and who are at, who aspire to live a life that includes a full embrace of this fatherhood project. And then also work through that. And what I mean by that is not stop there. This isn't just a parenting course. This isn't just how to wipe your kids' butt. This is how to become yourself and understand yourself and impact and, and live in this world in a meaningful way through the lens of fatherhood. And just a, a quick note on on the why and, and sort of the, the deeper element here is that You know, I've been engaged in men's work and, you know, different elements of, I mean, let's just call it realization or practice or evolution or growing up for a really long time. And when I became a father, it all began to mean something so much bigger and deeper and broader. And I'm going through a bit of a revolution in my own life right now as I sort of sit back and try to take in more understanding of the world and our culture and myself and my family and everything that's going on, and I really feel a strong call to be very, very intentional and craft a very, very clear vision, not only for my kids, not only for myself, but but put something into the world that is a uh, an intentional vision of how we might be helpful to this world, and kind of looming in that in that conversation, looming in that frame is that the world that our kids are going to be living in is going to be very different. And by most accounts, uh, magnitude's more difficult than the world we're in right now. So that's something I believe that we need to just wrestle with. And so this group is not just about that, but it is inflected. It is part of the intention in this group is is this is a place to be asking big questions and uh working together to find emergent answers to how how we can do our job and to how we can um love it all as we as we do this together so you're invited all dads are invited uh you can find this on my website dandoty.com and click on father's fire all right let's do this let's have a conversation with dr dan Singley. All right, Dr. Dan. Can I call you Dr. Dan? Is that okay? Sure.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you can call me anything, Starts with a D, just don't call me Daniel. Then I'm in trouble. And I think there's like a flip flop coming from my head.
0: <laughs> wait, 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 a minute. Who calls you Daniel? Only my mom when I'm in trouble. Oh, uh, got it. Yeah, So, so you know, my Daniel mom. works
1: just fine.
0: <laughs> my mom calls me Daniel, um, but not just when I'm in trouble. That's just what my parents. I actually tried to get my friends to start calling me Daniel about. I think I was like 30 and it just completely failed it didn't go anywhere
2: yeah yeah
1: I'm more of a Dan or a Danny uh, yeah. uh the Daniel was always kind of like you know, triggers triggers my I'm in trouble <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Dr. Dan Singley I am so excited <laughs> to have you here welcome to the show and um yeah man thanks for I I hear that today is a a beach day so thanks for taking the time to be here man
1: absolutely i i'm 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 shorts so below, below
0: the waist here so i'm ready to roll <laughs> nice all right we have a lot to talk about so um let's just start by uh i i will do an intro and share your your background and your interests and all those things but but better from from the horse's mouth not that you're a horse but give us give uh <laughs> myself and the audience just you know just a a short bio and, and you know i think oriented obviously this is the fatherhood unlocked podcast. We're gearing toward fatherhood. We're gearing toward masculinity. I know this is your world. Um, And just for everybody else's benefit, we've had the benefit of a few really um, uh, in my perspective, really alive, interesting, sort of like energy generating conversations, somewhat in prep for this, but also just to sort of align, um, you know, in our, in our work. So yeah, let's start with a quick bio. Tell us about you.
2: Sure. Uh, well,
1: I'm Dan Singley. I'm a Capricorn with Virgo tendencies. I like <laughs> long walks on the beach. Um, now, so, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a San Diego-based psychologist, and um, I focus in men's issues and the psychology of men, and within that, my research is on early fatherhood, so paternal perinatal mental health, aka the dude to dad, transition, um, have a group practice here with other psychologists where we're all pretty passionate about uh, gender and, uh, and men's issues, um, do a good amount of, of training and consultation. A lot of times with what we call, and we'll get into this further, in perinatal mental health, it's oftentimes called maternal mental health. And so I'm oftentimes the one in the room that's like, and the deaf. Um, and so it'll be like a maternal mental health clinic that's like, hey, we want to, we forgot somebody. We want to take a more, more gender-inclusive approach. Um, I also uh, do leadership. I'm the incoming president of the APA's the division on psychology, of the Society for the Psychology of Men and Masculinities. And I got two boys. I got 18 and 16 years old at this point. I got into it when the 18-year-old was still in utero. That's when the whole fatherhood thing started yeah. personally and professionally yeah. and been married to my amazing wife for
0: 23 years at this point. Amazing, uh, just a couple of quick questions there. So the, the, the shorter one is, um, you know, to, to lay people like myself, like being the president of the masculinities, part of the APA seems like a really important and, and uh, interesting kind of awesome role. What, tell me more about that, just for my own curiosity. What, what does that end up, um, what does it mean to, to, help, to hold that role?
1: so <laughs> not to take away from it i'm actually genuinely humbled uh, and honored to be to be doing it um in um it's a nonprofit, so it's a division of the apa we have it's division 51 that focuses on men and masculinity and really what it boils down to i've been a member of division 51 for probably about 15 years now and i've worked You know, I've been the membership chair and served on the board and a bunch of different committees, and it's very much a professional home for me. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like leadership and governance, to me, it's a really important element of my own professional journey and development. Like as I've I've gone on and I'm now, you know, I think a a mid-career psychologist, um, it kind of tracks with what my growth edge is. For, for my own interest in development. Like I'm starting to move more in a direction of, yeah. of advocacy and policy. And, and so what I want to do with the vision is, is my presidential theme is growing down as we grow up.
3: Hmm.
1: And so working to help broaden the visibility of, of us, like when, when the New York Times wants to do an article on, you know, men or school shootings or or kids in schools or boys in schools or whatever, I want them to come to us. I want them to know about us. Um, At the same time, the growing down part is we're we're small. We're a relational um, uh, division. And so we're also kind of going through some growing pains. And I want to really firm up some of those foundational relationships. So that's the growing down as we grow up part. And it boils down to calling board meetings and budgeting and and working with committees and task forces and, and trying to help them, you know, Make the
0: sausage basically yeah, yeah, definitely and and just the the note on um the 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 wider impact of of I mean the APA holds a a a, a pretty important uh role from from my understanding right now and this is actually me not knowing much, Dan, mm-hmm. so just know that, but sure um you know, I have noticed through the past ten years when I've been paying attention, Uh, On a high level, you know, when there are articles about masculinity, when there are things, you know, and and there it's interesting, like there is, there is a flow of media around men's mental health, there has been. And it's, it's, um, it's both prominent and not in an interesting way. I that's, Mm. that's how I kind of Mm. see it. But I guess the question I'm getting at here, the APA has a, a respected and listen to voice from my perspective in in Mm -hmm. terms of understanding what's actually happening in the in the minds and hearts and and you know the the psyches i guess of of our people right and so i guess what i'm curious about is the um yeah the influence and the potential impact through the apa is i guess that's the question is that is that part of being a part of that world is because it may be leveraged for um for influence and impact?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, yeah. Now it can get yeah. it gets a little bit a little bit more complicated because
1: yeah, the APA is for psychologists, it's our professional trade organization, which means they engage Got in it. everything from branding to lobbying to policy. And, and advocacy on behalf of it. But so if you think about like a tree with branches, so the tree is yeah. sort of APA, at like call it the, the the central administration. So they have a CEO and a board of directors and um, HR, you know, like, and then yeah. the divisions are the branches that are clinical psychology, family psychology, military psychology, uh, uh, yeah. you yep. know, femininity, and like all this. And so there are different, and of that. Um, The APA does a lot of really important um, scientific and and marketing work like for ever since I when I started grad school, the 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 mantra was let's try to give psychology away. Uh, Let's make it so, so, so it's relevant and salient to people instead of just this like nerdy stuff that we do in labs or behind closed doors. And, and so the giving away of psychology is something that, that for those of us that, that are interested, a lot of psychologists don't take part in the APA or they have other organizations that they're interested in. But we, Got it. we in the division lately um, have begun to do a lot. We're working a lot more cheek and jowl with some of the folks in APA Central with their marketing, with their, their science directorate, um, because frankly, the, the masculinities work that we do, has real clear implications for yes. men's mental yep. and physical health. For yep. uh, things like um gun violence, things like looking even at like environmental concerns, like we as a country basically have have feminized being green, right? Yeah. With, with with energy, right? There are a lot of different ways that we yeah. said like you know yeah. this this is manly or this isn't, yeah. and so uh, we're now working more closely. And I see the APA kind of seeing the utility of that. So it's pretty exciting. They, they have it, they have an enormous reach.
0: And so it's good to be working with them. That's thank you for sharing that. That really, that, that, um, really gives me a a, a clarity and understanding on that. And it, and it is, it's, you know, when I, when I met you and was introduced to you, um, I was just very curious to hear more about specifically what that is. So that's, I appreciate that. And Mm -hmm. you, you let us, you let us really elegantly into what I want to kind of put out as the umbrella of this discussion together or this collaborative discussion. And you know, I guess to, to sort of paraphrase or, or to take a little bit of uh, to take a little bit further in my words, right? So what, what you're leaning into there is that the mental health, the well-being, the identity of of men and masculinity and dads in this society, it it sort of is becoming, seems to be more and more clarified, that there is huge, huge sort of downstream effects from from men's wellness and men's well-being. And it's complicated. And I mean, a big part of my career and my messages and many people's careers and messages has been starting to frame and phrase this, you know, in a way. And and so I think I want to start with this quote from you. Um, One of the main questions here we're talking about is how can we foster a balanced and flexible way of being a man when the concept of masculinity at its heart is not salient to individual men or co- the collective. Right. And so that's, and let's just define salient. So, so break, 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 break that question down just a little bit uh, into pieces for us. So kind of
1: backing into it. There's a, there's a, there's the concept of role salience, which means how central to me personally is some aspect of my identity, being white, being male, being cisgendered, being a psychotic. like there are all these different aspects of myself that, that will have that will be more or less central to me. And, and one of the aspects
2: of masculinity that I find really fascinating is. The huge ambivalence that I will experience with, with 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 boys and men who, on the one hand,
1: are proud of being of being male, of being masculine, and on the other hand, are maturing in an age in which realization of discrimination, of of privilege, in a systematic, uh, you know, uh, systemic frame, also has equated masculinity with toxicity yeah. right like you know the the blank response (laughs) what do you think of when you think of masculinity which is terrible and unfortunate um but when you talk about and this is backing into the first part of the question when folks say toxic masculinity which isn't sorry but this is like the nerdy research in me that's not actually it isn't a construct, it's not a variable that, that, that we study. What, what people mean in my world in research and, and clinical practices, they're talking about, wait for it, totally unsexy term alert, rigid, traditional masculinity ideology.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Say it again. Rigid, rigid traditional. each part of it's yeah. important. Rigid, yeah.
1: traditional, masculinity, ideology.
0: Ideology. And, amazing.
1: Yeah. And, and so the, what I want to go on record (laughs) right up front is masculinity gets a bad name and when people talk about toxicity and toxic that's essentially what they're talking about is someone who is rigidly only hyper masculine all the time (laughs) and so when i talk about balance and flexibility Mm. what i mean is a balanced sense of myself and my worth, my value, who I am to you, and then flexibility and my ability to show up differently with a problem employee at work than I do with my kid, than I do with my partner, than I do with my poker buddies. And so that's the balance and flexibility and and the top level point, like when people say like, why, which is fair, why, why are you focused
2: on men's issues? Mortality and morbidity, men are dying six to seven years younger than,
1: than, than, than comparable females and the quality of life that we're experiencing on the way to that early grave is hugely attenu- attenuated by mental health problems, by isolation, by physical mm-hmm. health problems, many of which are driven by or exacerbated by really problematic coping. And so mm. the, these are there are fixes to all of this. But if I'm rigid and I don't seek help, I don't communicate what I need to people, I don't prioritize myself, yeah. then 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 it's just going to keep going. So that's the
2: why
0: to me. That's amazing. And I really, please bring all of the dorky specific technical terminology. (laughs) I think it's really helpful, but no, really like, no, I, you know, that's, I've not heard those four words strung together in this way. And I think it's really important, right? So rigid, traditional, masculine ideology, being too unmoving, thinking that, so I'm, you know, what I'm curious about. And one thing that's been on my mind for a couple of weeks is, like I'm with you, man, the balance and the, and the and the flexibility. I think I think that's you know two big thumbs up there. One way I've been seeing that flexibility is a recognition that um, I was on a group call with a bunch of guys, I think it was actually last week and and this topic was up and and what kind of emerged was this understanding that,, um, you know, everything in our world has become more complex, right? There's a complexification of everything. And so even the, you know, just to use the uh, the standard of like being a protector and a provider for at home, right? Protect Just take just protector as a father, right? Mm-hmm. The complexity, so, you know, protecting our family from saber-toothed tigers And storms, right? Way back is is a big deal and straightforward. Today's version of protecting a family is so complex that I don't think we've even kept up to what that complexity even means. And so we're being tasked with such a such a a need for understanding far more. And the change is happening so quickly or has happened so quickly. So I love that flexibility part. And that's just a little note to add there that these days are you know it's like the uh, pandora's box got it got open man and we're living in the in the the wildness of it we're in the quantum realm or whatever right and there's so much going on
1: it's the multiverse of masculinity yeah yeah um you know actually let me so Dan, let me throw one i I could not agree more and it's true because because again my research is on fatherhood so protect provide sacrifice and yep. when you think about traditional masculinity, those are all right in there and they're noble. And there are plenty, plenty yep. of circumstances where protecting and providing and, and figuring out what, what does contemporary protection and provision really mean, like you know, like that. Yep. When I talk about balance and flexibility, the seed that I want to plant, I know I'm preaching at the choir with you, but but with your listeners is balance and flexibility. The balance piece of that is. If I see my role, like let's say my fatherhood role is very salient to me. Like it's really central to my identity. And I think of that as protect, provide, sacrifice. Balance to me means I also understand, not just logically, but I I viscerally come to get that I need others to protect me, to provide (laughs) for me, to allow others to sacrifice for me. That's yeah. what balance looks like in a relational context. And that's like kryptonite. Like a lot of dudes, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa ask for help, accept help. Like what?
3: And well, like, I mean, not guess only what, kryptonite. It's
1: what will make you live longer and happier, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to interrupt this just for a second and tell you about another place that you could listen to my voice. Oh, man, that's, that's narcissistic, isn't it? Uh, but it's true. I have an online course, an audio course specifically called Intentional Fathering and Intentional Fathering is a a passion project that I put together which is a private podcast delivered to you and it's just a series of tracks and these tracks involve a larger frame on what fatherhood might mean and might mean for you. It involves guided meditations and specific challenges and ways to up your game as a dad in all of the ways. There's also some deep diving visualization practices and some ways to really, really get a frame or, an, or try to get an understanding of what being a dad might mean, what it might mean for you, what it might mean for your kids. Yes. I mean, I think not only is that kryptonite, but I also think it, I don't know, can kryptonite somehow be potentiated to be positive because I could also, like, that's a mind blowing moment. Like what you just said, like, so to slow that down, if we could somehow plant that firmly in the understandings of like, like there's a, there's a, there's kind of a boom that happens in that. Right. So, so not only do I need to protect, but I also need to be protected. I mean, like, holy shit dr dan mm-hmm. like, like know, that's, right? that's a big deal yeah and it's not right it's not within the purview of that rigid traditional masculine or maybe yeah. it is that's interesting that that actually might not be true um oh man i just have so many thoughts i'm, I'm gonna try to not it, just follow all tangents but um you know for example the uh you know i mean who do who do most people look at as like the most masculine I would imagine has to do with, uh, special forces in the military, you know, possibly performers of different things, you know, and, and that that's been an interesting, you know, point for me to, to learn about and experiences, you know, one of my closest friends is, is of that background as a special forces, a retired special forces operator. And, and it's true, right? I mean, the, the traditional masculinity stuff, it's all there it's completely there but there's all of these other buts that embedded within that culture i mean those dudes know completely that they have to be protected and they're not like the guy like like i mean it's it's so obviously built into their co uh i don't know like th- their synergistic relationships with each other in order right so i i think again that's that's just one little example of of how um you know, I just, I, what I get excited about even already in our conversation here is how we talk about disseminate model and, you know, potentially at scale, um, you know, some of these core, cause this is a big shift, right? Actually, let me ask you that. And then, and then I want to get back to the, the statement of, uh, flexible and salient. Like, I think we'll come mm-hmm. back and keep that as a thing to, to come back to here, but the, um, my sense is that what's happening in the identity and this ways of being of men and fathers and masculinity, I mean, to me, this is as big of a shift in humanity as you could ask for. I think this is a big deal in my sense for, for men to really make this self-aware shift here. And maybe I'm overplaying it or dramatizing, but I'm curious from your perspective. Yeah. Sorry, you're curious. Like, I'm, uh, yeah, what do you think? I mean, how big of a deal? Like, why is this so intense and hard and weird? And, and like, I mean, the, uh, almost on the evolutionary level here, right? Like, for, for us to make this change. So, back to the
2: kryptonite thing. Um, I saw an old school comic book, nerd. we're talking about green kryptonite, the bad. Kryptonite. Hey, um <laughs> vulnerability is at the heart of masculinity in that when you when we just talk about writ
1: large right i make all kinds of like stereotypical sexist statements they're usually about men they're usually based on a lot of research and experience and so right here's number 13 of the day um but vulnerability is central to understanding how we enact masculinity in large part because we in the in in how we have socialized folks to think about men and masculinity
2: have conflated the experience of vulnerability with weakness. Yeah. And and truly, this 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 rub is one of the main
1: psychological factors that keeps men lonely. And ice, like the Surgeon General just just released a report. The Surgeon General of the United States, for the first time ever, released a public mental health report that addresses what 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 he called the epidemic of loneliness. And when mm-hmm. you really dig into the details, Dan, you and I, statistically, we are the loneliest. We are the ones yeah. that are. Have not nurtured our relationships, certainly haven't nurtured friendships. Statistically, you and I are trying to get all, if we have a partner, we're trying to get all of our emotional support needs met by that partner. Vul- the vulnerability factors in here
2: because you can uh, hear me on this one. You cannot have a close relationship, a truly
1: emotionally intimate, close relationship with someone, platonic, romantic, whatever, yeah. without. Vulnerability. Yeah. You can't like I'm not much of an always or never guy. Like I'm a pretty evidence-based, and so I watch my always is and my nevers. But you cannot have an emotionally close relationship without running a series of risks that are built into yep. closeness, you know, rejection, um, conflict, all sorts of things, right? And so vulnerability is built into these close relationships. And I have seen guy after guy after guy very successful. You look at them on paper and think wow this dude's a master of the universe type lambo set yeah. the white the how, and all that crippling loneliness yeah because don't want to take the risk in relationships to truly be vulnerable we all walk around with parts of it's like we we, we partition parts of our hard drive or we reject parts of ourselves and say yeah i mean i'm kind of out there but if people really need this part about me Right. They me, they reject. And we all have that. Yeah. You know, it's our shadow. self. that's just that's just part of what yeah. we have going on. The difficulty is for folks to tell ourselves what I'm what's on the line here is existential. So I got to keep it alone. And then the gender policing of it is, well, I can be weak, meaning vulnerable in a, in a, you know, a heterosexual yeah. heteronormative frame. Men can yeah. do that with women. And so we let our male relationships go. We yeah. try to get all of our emotional intimacy needs met by a female, be it mom or a partner or, or a close friend or whatever. That person, no matter how great she or they are, cannot meet all of our emotional intimacy needs. And then we end up resenting them for it when it's not their fault, when we're the ones that don't have a diverse social support portfolio. So, yeah, man. That I mean, this vulnerability to me, and we're going to keep coming back to it.
0: I mean, well, yes, we will. I mean, my uh, entire—I don't know—past decade um, has, for a chunk, you know, I, I, we spoke about this. I, I co-founded an organization called Everyman. The entire basic principle of that organization is exactly what you just named uh, about vulnerability and its tie and necessity to health and relationships and connection, and and you know the based on observation, sort of an equation that I came up with way back was, you know, relationships or depth or trust, however you want to frame it equals vulnerability multiplied by time, meaning that, Mm. you know, like you can, you can get very vulnerable and build bonds pretty quickly. Or I think about, you know, moving to a new town when I was in eighth grade and it took us 60 days of walking home from school with my buddies before we could like loosen up a little, right. It just, it was like this, process of thawing out with another person you can go strong after it or it can happen over time right and the um yeah the vulnerability thing is obviously right at the heart in the center of it and so you know i that was my work for many years that was the message i put in the world that was the talks i gave that was the retreats i ran and and that was my that was my flag that i was carrying and i still have it and i think today i'm Expanding beyond that and holding that in context is is a very critical part of the whole thing. So, the I don't know. So so bringing all of that to bear back to the question: How to foster a balanced and flexible way of being a man when masculinity is a concept that is not salient to them? So so say a little more about the salience part and the identity piece, and how, how let's just make sure that lands in people's yeah.
3: I will. I
1: personally yeah. go back to what you just said. Dan, one of the things yeah. that you've done in your work that I find really awesome is how direct and clear you have been that showing up vulnerable in relationships is a kind of purge.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you're right out in front with that. And I think that's a point that gets, that gets lost. But we as guys recognize, when you see a guy violate the bro code and experience what we call gender, gender role strain and does it publicly and runs that risk, some subset of dudes is going to pile on and be like, Oh, whatever. All of us recognize, I took some stones right there. Like at the end of the day, you know, like, and so I just wanted to say that. It was fucking scary,
0: man. I I mean, mean, to be honest, it was terrifying. I get it. So anyway, I just
1: wanted to, I mean, we'll come back to that too, but it's, it's the courage of making oneself vulnerable.
2: Yeah. I, I, so back to the salience question. Um, It is. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like me being like
1: cishet, white, overeducated, extroverted dude. Um, the space that I work in, it's kind of tricky. Same mm-hmm. with you. Right? Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're co- a couple of white dudes saying like, hey, y'all, we need to pay attention to to the guys. And, and to answer this question about salience, I, I have to think about it and, and frame it in, in a systemic, kind of societal way. Mm-hmm. And in time, Time's Up and Black Lives Matter and, and, and um, Me Too, so much has been brought to light about inequities and marginalization and, and so forth. And so when you don't make any other statement, you just talk about men, at the end of the day, we think privilege. Yeah. And, and you know,
2: relative to women and, and people yeah. of other genders, that is generally the case when you talk about groups. But when you come down to an individual, for example, like a bisexual HIV
1: positive Puerto Rican dude living in the Bronx has different access to male privilege than I do. Yeah. And that is, that is just a fact. And so yeah. it, when we start talking about role salience, we can't talk about role sal- like fatherhood or masculinity about men in general, you have yeah. to bring it down to a particular person. And and it varies, right? Think about a normal, uh, normal curve with you know yep. two tails, and people pile up in the middle. But this, the thing about masculinity that makes it tricky to have my 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 manliness, my maleness, be really central to me, is it's often thought of as a negative. Yep. It's odd, like there are a lot of ways, and that that sort of zero sum mentality, which says if you're for men, you're against women. Or if you're trying to get resources and and raise awareness about dads, and somehow you're taking away from or you're against moms. And there are people that do that, that have the whole shtick of, you know, look how good they have it, look how bad it is. And that is not my thing at all. For for me, I'm all about, like, inclusivity and let's look at the family system and parents of all genders. And and when it comes to men, trying to make our masculinity more salient to us inherently, if you're going to do it in a holistic way, inherently means... There are parts of myself that I'm proud of.
3: Mm.
1: And then there are other parts of myself that I struggle with. And yeah. as a guy to struggle openly with being a guy, you got to know your audience because you are setting yourself up for screw you, dude. Like you have, you have it all. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you can say things like he's such a guy right so it, it, here's the next so misandry right misogyny yep. is is when you know uh, patriot of a contemporary women that's what it is for men right and so misandry is much more accepted even among the sort of like progressive folks certainly than is misogyny totally. and i think totally. and i think that that dynamic speaks to why it can be hard for me to really sort of lean into my maleness and sort of celebrate and wrestle with it and and do it in a conscious way in a way like those of us that enjoy certain like i'm a white dude mm-hmm. like, people have more privilege right more power like we can go yep. back a long way but like the short version of that is and then the same thing with like masculinity when yep. you have one of these aspects it tends to we tend to downplay it right Mm -hmm. so you know i don't i don't see color i just see people said no person of color ever right only white people say that well it's the same thing for like gender like oh i don't why do people make such a big deal out of this only dudes typically only dudes say that and it's a it's a kind of psychological distancing that can be complicated so that to me that's the salience and the kind of yeah no that
0: that that uh, yeah i'm riding with you the you know two two things come up one is just a little self reflection which i hadn't really thought Ooh. about before but you know i think one of the reasons why i felt really called and kind of willing to um you know go the vulnerable route and sort of speak that clearly and 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 take that on is is because of my many privileges and i do feel um, like I said, a sense of responsibility, I think, along with that privilege and and along the salience line, right? Um, I, I do very clearly almost with no, uh, I don't know, no stress. I, I resonate as male fully like I like I feel like I, it is central to me, you know, I, I came out a pretty big dude with broad shoulders and a grow a beard in a in an hour and and like you know spend like years of my life hiking up mountains and carrying down dead animals and like you know just like like there's a there's a full there's no issues there for myself in terms of like feeling comfortable and and fully proud of 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 that and i think that um it's not I mean, again, just talking anecdotally from and I've, you know, worked with enough men now and and heard enough men's stories that I that I feel comfortable sharing it. It's not the norm. It's not common. And One of the questions I would ask um, often, you know, both on podcasts, but also in retreats and all over the place was asking a man, when did you first feel completely secure or know that or even have the thought or the sense like I'm a man, I'm a man now I've become a man here I am I'm a man. And it is, it is a confusing, confounding set of answers. And oftentimes goes like, well, I don't know, I don't know it that it actually even is that way and never has been, you know. So I mean, is that that speaks to the salience, correct?
1: Oh, so okay, here's a here, here's a slice of my world. So um I've got a postdoctoral fellow who is very focused on you know, come to our clinic and focus on men's issues who just started up a brand new men's process group, right? So it's a men's psychotherapy, not a support group, it's a process group. We're looking at what's happening among us and between us and and, mm-hmm. and the very, very first group. And we, you know, I'm a supervisor. And so we were talking about like some ways to navigate that very and And after introductions, he threw out the question to
2: these guys, they've never met each other before. Where did you learn what it means to be a man? along the lines of what like
1: when you know when did you first become like and 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 these are not like you know young like 18 year old this is like a spread from like 30 to 60. you know some diversity in that group and he said it just stumped them, and so the 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 processing of not and a couple of them tried to say like well i never did and i'm like "Mm, yeah you did you may not know that that was how you were getting socialized on the playground in the movie theater in your family But people of all genders socialize us to what it is to be a man. And some of us, like what's mirrored to us, we can take in. Others, you know, it's harder to do. But we're learning it all the time. Like,
2: I haven't stopped.
1: This is still coming to me, right? We're all, like, I'm still being shaped about this. It's just a question of have I fallen awake to it in the way that you just invited your people to
0: That's a really good point man. Like yeah, and I mean we'll shift into sort of leaning into fatherhood and dad stuff here sure. shortly, but you know, I'm very very keen on uh you know, us building <laughs> some more uh intentional ways for to for men to to be shaped, right? Or to be impacted, to be influenced, right? And but that's a huge call out, right? I mean, men are so unaware that the process is even, so here's a question for you just to get your take. Obviously the weakness part is like kryptonite, right? The vulnerability weakness thing and that I get it, right? It's it's like, that's understandable. What do you make of the almost impossibility to even discuss this with people? Why is this topic just not even on the map? What is going on with that?
2: So I'd be interested to hear your take on this for me. Um if I'm used to thinking about masculinity in
1: and manhood it, through sort of like a cartoonish lampoon Hollywood lens, yeah, then I'm thinking about you know walking away from exploding buildings and jumping out of planes and taking a bullet this is one of my this is one of my favorite like i've heard i've heard hundreds of men say something like i mean i mean i love that kid i, I you know I, I love my wife so much like i would i would gladly take a bullet for him and i'm like okay sure and let me you may be in a profession or circumstances where that bullet taking is a likelihood for most of these guys it was not and then my question to them was okay how about instead of taking a bullet would you be willing to be slightly embarrassed or minorly inconvenienced (laughs) for her because that's what's more likely to come up on a daily basis are you willing to carry that purse through the mall yeah for her are you willing to have that you know tea party with your baby and and like so to me like i bring up i bring up those aspects of of what makes it hard for us to even learn it but So to funnel down, like you're saying, like from from talking about men and masculinity broadly to fatherhood, like this is one of the reasons why I love the work that you do. And and for me, fatherhood, so my jam is early fatherhood, right? Perinatal mental health, conception to about a year or so postpartum. So prevention to, you know, how you're setting stage for the whole parental, the whole paternal journey. And one of the things that to me is so exciting, which has shifted significantly, in the last like eight to 10 years, certainly since I first started,
2: you know, back in like 2006, on this stuff, is society has leaned in on
1: fathers. Mm-hmm. Not enough because this, you know, yeah. I'm an advocate and so I'll be pushing that pendulum forever and I'll never be satisfied and I'll keep even pushing because that's part of my, my role here. But we as a society and and frankly outside of us, like there's a general awareness that being uninvolved as a father is not cool and is problematic. And in fact, a lot of the folks that write about fatherlessness in the country do so in a way that underscores the importance of, of the importance of father's involvement for their children. For their partners,
3: and what
0: I'm working to
2: do is expand the conversation and include the fathers themselves, ourselves. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, yeah, is, I mean, the it, preaching at each other. I no, I it, mean I it's it. it's so
0: it's so <laughs> lovely, it's so affirming, it's so <laughs> helpful, it's so enlightening. It really, really, it is. I'm I'm not saying that. Um, yeah, the you know, I also have a a particular. Uh, uh, I, I would say bend or, or interest or passion for the the early years to it, and, and you know here's here's why for me, which is just that you know we just said a, a few minutes ago that you know one of the issues that I see. Well, let me let me back up. So you know, my take on the why is it so hard to talk about? There's a couple reasons, but. And I might've shared this with you in our last conversation, but it was pointed out to me very succinctly by Esther Perel, who's, you know, if, if listeners don't know her, she's a, a very widely known couple therapist uh, and thought leader. And she came in and, you know, did some work with with some men and myself and, um, you know, pointed to the fragility of of the male identity, right? And And just like, you know, women do not Women tend to just know they're a woman with, or like, obviously there's, there's more complexity. So I'm, I'm, I'm over grossly sort of simplifying here, but women who identify with, as women tend to not question that, right. It's, it's not, it's not like something you need to prove, but men have this uh, built in, seemingly built in, uh, I don't know, fragility or yeah, almost the unsubstantiation or, you know, unsub- somehow being a man is unsubstantiated unless you sort of prove it through X, Y or Z means, right? And the other thing I'm trying to think as I say it here, she pointed to how quickly men can be torn down from a place of knowing themselves, of feeling confident, of feeling enough, right? You know, through through just like a, a quick mm-hmm. ego destruction through whatever whatever you lob some shame you lob lob some things on it and then a man has a very um kind of a flimsy pedestal to stand on so so that's that's one of the things that's coming through to me the other which we've talked about and i think you mentioned here today too which is just the that lack of salience like we don't we don't know it we don't see it and i i spend a lot of time thinking about the um what seemed to be basic needs that would have been served through village or tribal life through much of human history, right? When we had, you know, a bunch of elders, we had uncles, we had, you know, there was men in our lives being men, doing their thing. And it does seem like somewhere along the way, a lot of that, what we, the vision we see of what males do has been supplanted by, I mean, you name it, right? TV and culture and things. And and it's, it's a far more complex picture than I'm saying here. Obviously there's a lot that goes into this, but I think one of the biggest fundamental issues is that there's just, we haven't, we don't have close enough, present enough, you know, again, salient, I like that word for this, like salient examples that that have impacted us directly. And so we're just it just feels kind of like we're we're out in the middle of no man's land. There's not much ground underneath us. We don't uh, we can't find purchase anywhere with any of that. And all of that to lead up to. After all these years of thinking about this, talking about this, working with this, it does seem to me like fatherhood, the process of being a father, the responsibility that comes, that that seems to be like the most graspable. And it's not the only, right. You could be a brother, you can be an uncle a grandfather. Like there's more roles than that. And obviously I'm, I'm a little bit blinded. I'm a dad of young kids. Right. So it's right here for me, but it does seem to be, if we're looking at the large scale of the collective to me, it's like, okay, that's something we can hold on to. And I am, I am encouraged by the, uh, you know websites like Fatherly, and I mean there there has been more positive messaging around fatherhood and, and a clear understanding of the need. But in the conversation about masculinity, I've been centralizing fatherhood, and seems to be appropriate. I guess.
2: Yeah. No, and I, and I, and I think that that is very much part of the zeitgeist
1: that fatherhood gets more attention in mm-hmm. social media and popular media. Um, I would submit generally not fathers of babies and young kids, but, just, but I also want to back mm-hmm. up and then zoom back in. So back, just, just a couple of quick research points. One, there's some seminal research in the, in the mid-70s done by a couple of researchers, David and Brannon, and, and they looked at kind of a, a cool, qualitative, like, well, what does it mean to be masculine? Mm-hmm. And what they came up with was totally unsurprising you know these are these are things like you know i'm aggressive and dominant um i am independent i'm successful but the top cardinal aspect of masculinity that these researchers and plenty of others have found is anti-femininity and this is really important wow because that, that doesn't mean you hate women yeah It means that whatever is considered to be feminine in your culture, the top number one guaranteed way to be masculine is to not be that. And so just at the top level, masculinity tends to have a very reactive frame. And now fast forward to some more current research. There are some researchers that, that, that have developed what they call precarious masculinity. Hmm. precarious manhood precarious masculinity and the short version of this is not my research but i but it, it absolutely dovetails with what you were just saying and then we can easily narrow this back into fatherhood the idea of precarious manhood is according to them basically um for for women the development of femininity has stronger biological yep. undertones yeah. right secondary sexual characteristics um uh it, having a period um having a baby then you know moving into sort of uh, perimenopause menopause and, and 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 so forth um whereas for men these researchers say essentially your masculinity is precarious because you are only as manly as the last manly thing you did mm. in public mm. And your man card, such as people call it, is always on the line. So, if you take these two pieces of research together, fundamentally, by being not feminine, I can be masculine. And then the yeah. things that I do to enact being the man publicly, yeah. they don't accrue. It's constantly <laughs> on the line. I mean, you can pretty easily see why a kind of misogynistic yeah. approach to being yeah. a man gets conflated with i need to be not feminine means i need to be anti whatever whatever feminine is and what to me fascinating is then in the
2: realm of fatherhood
3: mm-hmm. like
2: early fatherhood are you not going to be tender with a baby right even though you're a dad it ain't manly but is it is is taking care of your own is showing up in and
1: protecting and provide, like one of the ways that, that I will see lights go on. Like I'll work with very depressed dads, like one in 10 dads gets postpartum depression. Nearly 20% yeah. develop an anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety, OCD, PTSD, acute stress. Oh, wow, 20%. More dads get anxiety, not just kind of stressed, anxiety disorders, right? Wow. And for a lot of these dads, they're so focused on, I can't take the time for myself. What right do I have to feel this way? Protect, provide, protect, provide. And so my whole thing is never shaming men. I don't condone bad behavior ever. I also never lead with shame. I try to meet people in general, but in this case, men where they're at. And for these dads that are super, and when you're depressed, it means I think I'm crap. The world thinks I'm crap. I think the world's crap and the future's crap. And it's just wearing shit colored glasses all the time. That's what depression is, right? So for these dads that are in the wake of what's supposed to be this best time in their lives, like the Hollywood version, rainbows, unicorns. Well, I feel not connected to my baby. I feel like I lost my partner to my baby. I'm experiencing resentment and jealousy and self-loathing and rude and all this. Well, for a lot of these dads, the way that they try to compensate is, I got to go earn. I got to push through it. I got to, and I'm like, dude, go provide, do the provision. Awesome. And The research supports this next point so listen up once you get past basic needs of protection and food and you start looking at what are the factors that most strongly impact very young children dad the thing you need to provide is the healthiest version of yourself to your baby and to your partner because the research all says then Baby is going to be more, more emotionally intelligent, is likely to have greater life satisfaction, is going to be more successful socially, have a higher IQ, less involved with the juvenile justice system. Like it goes on, but we're not used to thinking of ourselves as, as fathers as something that we provide because we yeah. externalize. Right? Men are, are we're phenomenal externalizers, which means we're solving the problems around us, but we don't factor in ourselves and that to me is a critical component component of making fatherhood but more broadly masculinity salient you have to you're,
0: a, you're a person too dude that's what i tell guys all exactly. the time like yeah. you're a person too man you know that that is it is there's like a an inhumanity that men step into so some sort of definition of of not being quite fully equally human in interesting ways that that seems it's just it is you're right. You know, one of my weaknesses I think is that I don't tend to go to quantitative, which is one of the reasons I like talking to you so much. It's like I love hearing the studies and I and I and I actually need to to go there more myself and, and incorporate that because it's so critically important. But what one of the questions I have is uh I'm curious if 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 you have knowledge of studies or anything about this. But I mean, first of all, the you know, the impact of a, of a healthy present father, you know, I, I have seen studies of, on that, like you named some of the outcomes for, for children that, that, that is, that happens there. I'm curious about like the statistics, you know, I, I, I like to think culturally, you know, at the culture level and, and beyond. And, you know, so I'm just going to throw t- terrible guesses out, right? So for, you know, I was born in the eighties, I think of my, my father's generation of dads, you know, let's say this isn't even fair for me to make a guess. Let's say 10%, you know, did did what you just named. They first, they they provided, they did their thing in the world. And then they somehow oriented themselves like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be take care of myself. And, and, and you know, maybe that happened. And I would guess that more, the 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 percentage has raised a little bit in the generation now that, so that's one thing I notice, right? So the, the question my audience is asking more than anything when it prompted is how do I make a living and be physically, emotionally present for my family? That's the number one, that's it. Like, that's the big question everybody's asking, right? And so that tells me that that is, this is in the zeitgeist, this is in the air, like men are, are being called to do this. They're wanting to step up to this. It's a, it's a, it's a big thing to take on, right? But, you know, and I don't even need to take the, I'll just do it anyway, right? The 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 question I have is, I'd like to imagine what would a tipping point, what would be the the out, outcome, or some of the outcomes, obviously be many outcomes, if X percentage of dads got that message and took it seriously, right? And and what if we bumped that, that percentage up by 10 more points and 10 more points, right? And so i I'm spending a lot of time thinking about, um, you know, large scale meta crises and the, the fate of the world and how we're going to pull through, how we're going to, you know, show up and, and make sure our kids are, I mean, not make sure, but do our best so that our kids have a world to inherit and the skills to inherit in order to, I don't know, get through what's coming. And so, you know, that leverageable moment of if, if engaging fathers feels like an important place and and obviously it's like where i'm putting my heart it's where i'm putting my my energy so that was a long ramble if there was a question in there i'm curious about your perspective on the generational flow of men yeah. stepping into this presence
1: oh believe me i'm 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 tracking that i mean your point so i you know i was yeah. born in the early 70s right we, we can we can make sort of general ageist statements like you know, tr- tracking, call it the middle of the of the bell curve, suggesting that typically our fathers would not have been all that involved, certainly not like earlier on. and and that question, that those, those sort of top level questions, how do I make a living? and then how do I live a life?
2: right? Like
1: yeah. work to live, live to work, and looking at both sides of that is the perennial question, right? Like this is for many of us trying to and I'll put a quick pin in
2: that because I go to a place of meaning and values. But before I get there, um, the current generation, the current cohort of fathers that are of uh, sort of traditional childbearing
0: age,
1: at, do, what do we, what, are they like the I generation? Are they millennials?
0: Like, I'm do, like what the are world. I'm the oldest millennial. alive, lot. You're the oldest. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. so if you so you how tuned in. I am
0: um, yeah.
1: the current, the current unnamed cohort, right? And you're sort of like you know sure. twenty mid twenties to early 30s Have a significantly
2: different frame on their role, and and, and 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 I don't use this necessarily in a bad way. An entitlement to
1: Having a sense of, of of meaning and egocentricity, yeah, In words, including themselves, and this gets taken to an extreme when people are like, "Oh, all the young people today—they want pats on the head and trophies for everything," and the company has to, you know, we can't sit them down and give them a good talking to because they'll get their feelers hurt and trigger alert And I get all that, um, and this translates into the sort of the sort of individual psychological development. This this current generation like a lot of a lot of a lot gets made of they're all focused on like me and and my pronouns and my and my individuality
2: and all this and yes and that is including themselves
3: Mm.
2: in a way that previous
1: generations of men and fathers have historically externalized this this point about external like i'll actually let me let me let me frame this and then i'll get back to this so Externalizing means I act out and my frame, my conscious awareness is out there, contrasted with internalizing, which is a going inward. And interesting, the the most recent, the DSM is the the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. It's what Shrinks use for diagnostic purposes. It's like, you know, it's our Bible on that. And the most recent, the DSM 5, was just recently um, uh, uh, updated. the major depressive disorder apart from the very first time ever because there's such a volume of research to support this point made this distinction briefly that men tend to be externalizers Hmm. we will act out angrily we will act out sexually we will get into fights like like these are sort of classic you know using drugs these are these are externalizing unhealthy externally whereas stereotypically Women are more likely to manifest a depressive presentation with more internalizing, a going inside, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's overly broad, but, but I, I bring that to underscore this. I think previous generations of men were socialized to be externalizers. I do not believe this is a biological, biologically wired. Got it. Break. I believe that we are socialized in many ways and, and, and that's one of the ways we've done it And the current generation of men and fathers, I think, tend to have a better balance of what's going on around me with factoring myself in, which sets them up for when you talk to like old school, I don't know if this is how you get that, like George, <laughs> George Carlin used to have this like, you know, in his George yeah. Carlin way, he would address this and he would call it, the pussification of the American male, like in his, yeah. in his George yeah. Carlin way, right? And to me, that's a very unfortunate denigrating of, actually, this is an acceptance of my own sensitivity in certain ways. Like, I see this as factoring myself. In. And I just, I just recently had a talk. There's an outfit called the, the Global Compassion Coalition that focuses on on how do we foster on a, on a global scale compassion and, and the talk was about men and I was talking about fathers and the question is not just how do we get other people to experience compassion for a group that typically we don't think about deserving but yeah. take it one step further how do we foster within men and fathers yeah. self-compassion when when we tell ourselves that's weakness that's giving yourself an excuse that's cutting yourself a break and then, all this piles up to make it <clears throat> unacceptable or undesirable to do it. But to your original question, the current generation of new fathers is much more aware of, of themselves and mental health and yep. relationships, And there are downsides too, right? Like the gaming and the social media. And, and so what's that done to my ability to communicate and, and, and so on. So there's that. But yep. I, in, in that sense, in terms of being an engaged parent, I see
2: that heading
0: in what I think is the right direction of validating being more involved at a hundred percent, man. You know, the, 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 the pussification of America, right. The pussification. Good. Yeah. George Carlin thing. I mean, that is, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that at bars, you know, just Mm -hmm. throughout my life. Right. That's, that's a thing. And, you know, there's a, um, I get where it comes from. I get what it's talking about. And what I want to report and sort of share with you is kind of like, you know, back to the vulnerability thing. Like I will champion vulnerability to the ends of the earth. And <laughs> what, what, one of the things that I've gone through is um, I've been listening to a lot of Daniel Schmachtenberger's sort of analysis of systems thinking and things and you know, recognizing almost every fix that we attempt to do has unintended consequences of some are good and some are bad, right? And so, you know, the the entire everyman process and really speaking about vulnerability to men, very proud of it. I think we did good work, I think we helped a lot of people, and <laughs> and I have seen a surprising amount of uh evidence that once a lot of men who have kind of Found so so not only that vulnerability, not only does it help and make good, it feels good, right? Like there, there's like a cathartic process to unthawing and connecting with people, and and I think a lot of that is very good. But I have also then see men bind themselves to that way of being in a sense, or be bound to that way of being, and and that was never my intention or the intention, and then sort of an abandonment of other qualities, and it's. I get it again, you know, and I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody and, and I take full, I take a lot of responsibility. No, it's it's you know?
1: imbalanced in the other direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it is. And, and, you know, this is such, such big stuff and it's so subtle, right? I mean, it's such hugely important things and there's subtlety to it. It's hard to, it's hard to frame it all together in a way that kind of puts it all on the table. Right. But, but anyway, that where I'm driving that is that That balance, that ability to be balanced, like to be vulnerable with your little babies and then to, you know, go throw it down in a board meeting, like whatever, whatever that balance looks like, right? The act of fathering to me really, again, is a representative whole of what it looks like to be balanced because I do need to be the nurturer and I need to have boundaries. Right, I need to be deeply empathetic, and I need to know it's okay to push them at times, right, so there's and so to me, again, that's kind of where I go to simplify some of this stuff is is that, and I think that was part of my thing, you know, coming through the everyman thing, and after I left and you know, sort of seeing these men kind of stuck in feeling mode, and I'm like, oh my gosh, guys, like that freaks me <laughs> out like that's not a service <laughs> to everyone around you, right? you know there's there's so anyway. I think fatherhood is, is such a, it makes it up. It kind of operationalizes this larger conversation about masculinity.
1: It does. It, it, it concretizes a lot of what could feel sort of, you know, ethereal or academic, but it is very concrete when you come down to do I change diapers? Do I get up to give that baby a bottle? Do I, after I, lose my shit and yell at my kid do i circle back and tell that kid look here's what was going on inside of me when that happened like do i try to do i try to make myself emotionally available do i try to have an an emotionally intelligent child starting from from very young and do i serve as the cold hard wall of reality that my kid needs and that as you're saying like that's tricky but I, i believe for fathers for us for those of us for whom being a parent is really, really central. And like, I'm a fatherhood expert and researcher, and, and you're a fatherhood expert and, and enthusiast and dad yourself, right? So we're,
3: mm-hmm.
1: we already drank the Kool-Aid on this one. And, and it's very salient for, for both of us. But I see that, like, people talk about the culture wars, right? Masculinity, it's under, it's under attack. My thing is, it's under construction. I and it that. is evolving, and it is changing, and in that change, it is, it is stressful to some people and distressing to others, because going back to an old school madman, here's what this gender means, and here's what this gender means, and we're 50 years post Title IX yeah. at this point. And, and, and changes are absolutely happening, and one of the key ways that that's happened is as women, I'm not painting a picture of equality here, just not. And changes are have continued to happen over the past 50 years such that women have had more upward mobility Mm -hmm. and ability to to be in some male spaces, Supreme Court, boardrooms, you know, not enough representation in government, but but I digress. Well, as that's happened, not only have women be able to be more in charge of do I want to get married? If I am married, do I want to stay married? Can I afford, you know, have the opportunity to do that? Well, a lot of those traditionally female domestic duties i'm not just talking about doing the dishes and washing clothes i'm talking about you know burping the baby and 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 the diapering and pick up and drop off and all this like that work hasn't gone anywhere and certainly you know in the wake of some big like the dot bomb bubble you know around like 2000 and then the recession in 2008 and then covid like we've had these very big sort of shifts that have largely, I think, accelerated the understanding of men needing to be present in a domestically supportive way.
2: The rub is, I don't think that we as a society have come up with a parallel respect for men doing that in a way that we have for women
1: moving into traditionally masculine Space it and so that's one of that's yeah. when we talk about rural salience and why is it hard like i think that's coming along but it was the same case for women for the longest time right yeah if, if you're if, if you're a hard-charging female professional you got called all these names and you're just acting like a guy but oh you're aggressive right and as that's moved on now fierce powerful women That are going out there and kicking ass. It's like there's a lot more. Sure, some people are threatened by it. There's a lot more respect for that. There's a lot less respect for the stay-at-home dad, the wait-for-it male nurse, the teacher that's not a PET. You know, like that's the part that I think is 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 catching up and is is
2: really under construction.
0: We should uh, we should co-produce a Netflix series. I have a concept, man, and it has (laughs) it has everything to do with like explicitly defining and honoring like the, the new the new man or or you know a, a new man in a sense but you know one of the one of the ideas i had um which i may still do through the podcast here is like once a year have uh people nominate sort of a dad of the year and then right. do a do a perspective or, or do a ret- or, oh, i don't know what the term i'm looking for is but you know do it do a deep dive with that guy and 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 go um interview and film and look and You know, I think that's one little way to sort of move in that direction of of recognizing and honoring, you know, the, the full spectrum.
1: We need more modeling.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, let's shift, let's shift towards that direction. Let's, let's, let's get creative and sort of forward facing. And I'm curious about your ideas about, you know, both on the individual level, right. I think I want, um, I want men, you know, listening to this to have a a little bit of sort of forward facing stuff, but also on the collective, and maybe heavier on the collective here is 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 just like, you know, not not trying to play hero ball and and think that there's any grand slam to hit and you know changing things, but there is a you know we've talked there's there is a tide that has somewhat shifted, um you know in the favor of men's mental health and and just. The fatherhood, the advocacy is is stronger and all those things, but it really is. This is where I get probably the most activated and, and excited and lit up is is, um, you know, I I kind of feel like what do we have to lose rather than you know kind of give give this our best shot, right? I I at least I'm just speaking for myself. That's that's kind of how I weigh weigh my my professional time, but yeah what do you think? what have you seen what's working? what's changing the time how do like that start with that modeling piece right what would what what would model healthy manhood to generations or this generation or the next generation there's no oh sorry, I'm making complicated questions, which I hate when interviewers do, but I'm doing it oh. anyway. There is there is also the interesting thing that this next generation may not need. They might, they might get it already, you know? So is this just us trying to change our minds uh, in the midst of the flow? I don't know,
2: you know? I mentioned
1: the pendulum and we're pushing it and it needs pushing. Folks aren't used to thinking about this
2: kind of what amounts to policy and activism, but it is important. And so... Um, I think it all starts with boys, Yeah. right? Frederick Douglass famously said
1: something like, if we build stronger boys, we won't have to build, you know, fix broken men. I don't like the concept of broken men, but this was, you know, in the 19th century. So this isn't something brand new that we're, that we're coming up here. And I can tell you just anecdotally. So again, my kids are 18 and 16. I, was in the second grade in like 1981 right Mm -hmm. there was no anti-bullying there was no social emotional curriculum no gender like pc was a decade away yeah and so watching what my kids went through in our you know socal public school system here and the focus on empathy and identifying like sort of like a programmatic, and I'm in California, folks, say what you will about California, and this is one aspect of it.
2: um, That part of the the public educational curriculum that, 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 that encouraged, what does it look
1: like she's feeling, or he's feeling, or like this active sort of, let's look and mentalize and empathize, that is new. And, and, and I absolutely see the question or the, or the point slash question that you're making, which is, are we hashing out something that's already kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. there are wind in these sails. There is there's wind in these sails, like no, no questions asked. And the modeling needs to start much earlier. Like there's, yeah. you've, you, you've seen the mask you live in. Right, the the diagram, and so one of the one of the for those of y'all that haven't seen the mask you live
2: in, run don't walk, it's phenomenal, and it gets at this point about about the boys, and in teaching these boys, all kids,
1: right? But we're talking about like boys, like that 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 crap that happens on the playground and with our coaches and with our friends socializes us powerfully, yeah. and right around when boys are like, you know. Fourth, fifth grade is when we shut them down. It's when mm. we start telling them, be a man. And that means rigid traditional, yep. right? It's when we start teaching them relationships mean romance. Love and intimacy only means sex. Mm. Having, having feeling down or feeling anxious, that's just weak. And talking about it gets you shame. And and, and if we can take an approach that really normalizes having a diverse social support portfolio, connecting with broad people, like four legs on a table, everybody needs more than one source of support. And when a kid speaks up and says, you know what, like my parents got divorced and I feel like crap and I don't think either of them really cares about me and they're just using me to get back at each other. We let that kid feel important for who he is and, to ha- and, and follow up with, I care. There was a recent episode of Ted Lasso, in which one of the players, which loved love Ted Lasso, in which one of the players comes out as gay to the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the other players responds with, I don't care. And as soon as he said that, I was sitting there with my kids. I was like, wrong answer. And Ted goes, hang on. And Ted basically says, that is not true. I do care because you matter to me and 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 if boys can experience in our in our most difficult moments in our most vulnerable moments we experience compassion and grace then we can internalize that and and have that within ourselves and to offer other people and to see it as courageous and
2: strong that's that's what i would hope for modeling on the front end
0: yeah i love that i um so the teacher in the masculine ashanti branch maybe, maybe you know ashanti do you know ashanti yeah. He's oh, yeah. A oh yeah oh yeah oh, i don't,
1: I don't know him yeah. but he's like my hero in the picture when he does the yeah, yeah.
0: exercise i'm like oh, every time he's he, he is a hero he's he's a buddy of mine and we've, we've done some work together and he's right. so yeah if you haven't seen that show everybody listen just just do it make sure that everybody else that you know sees it too mm-hmm.
3: the,
0: just starting with boys yeah i mean one of the things that um I get really excited about as I you know, continue to build men's community and father community is the direct interactivity between dads and their boys and other dads and their, right. Like, like the, yeah. you know, my, my first intro into this world at all as a younger person in my twenties, when I kind of got really obsessed with all this stuff was, was the concept of mentorship. Right. And I, I got really lucky and had just this string of mentors in my young life. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty clear that a, that a dad's definitely not enough, right? Like as good of a dad as as present as you can be as, as healthy as you can be, right. You're still just a, a blip in the ocean of, of humanity. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, just healthy role models that touch your life in a, in an organic way. And I know it does happen. It's actually, I don't know if we talked about this, but you know, we moved from Southern California to Maine in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic and um, the beginning of the pandemic actually. And, you know, the, the level of, uh, the level of the dad quality around here is just, it's through the roof, right? And, and it's, it's a pretty privileged area, right? So it's, it's rural, it's quiet, it's, it's, um, you know, small numbers, it's all white people. It's, it's like, there's, there's a lot of, um, and I mean, that's, that's not simply a privilege, that's complicated, but there's,
2: <laughs> right.
0: there's, um how what am i trying to say that there's kind of like a quietness here that it seems to be a little bit protected from other areas of of living it's it's simple and I think people recognize that and the just the basic interaction presence of the dads around here man that the the, just in the communities that my kids go to you know the schools that my kids go to and it's it's really, really, really impressive. Like it's just like God damn! Like I've been doing men's work for twenty years. I've been, you know, I've got all therapists in the world, and I don't know if you have or not. But man, whatever you're doing is really natural and awesome. And like it, and it's just I, I'm excited about the next couple of years. Maybe that's how we'll finish. So like we'll say what we're excited about. I'll I'll go first, and then you can, you can follow. But I'm excited about, about sharing that. About showing that, right? And I think Ted Lasso is an incredible example, right? It basically is a—it's like a, a walking men's group on wheels, and it's cringe Ooh. to me. I actually cringed a bunch, but it was also like just so cool, and um, yeah, I'm excited about not only the 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 goodness, and you mentioned something of this nature. I'm excited about what we might be able to bring to our kids, and our partners in the world, and our communities, and all those things. But I'm also excited for men. To even have the possibility to feel more free and full and healthy and human and cared for and protected, right? Looping back to the beginning of the conversation, um, it's just really important. And uh, you know, I have a little local men's group that that we meet every two weeks, and I run men's groups, and so I'm I'm involved in this all the time, obviously. But it never, it's never to date gotten less interesting or meaningful or impactful as it's occurring right like to to experience men sort of um opening up and yeah just kind of like letting letting some of the rigid the rigid traditional shit go go by the wayside it's it just feels so good so that's what that's one of the many things i'm excited about yeah
2: and you know dan i love your 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 mission because you very very much are
1: a big picture guy and like what you're doing, you know, with the work that you have done
2: programmatically and what you're doing with podcasts. Like as far as I'm concerned, what you're doing is lifting up fathers and then and and portraying us in a more nuanced way.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Which I think is fundamental to having a sense of balance. And and, and this is I wouldn't I wouldn't be a sort of narcissistic psychological researcher if I didn't at some point talk about so what, one of the main points that we've done my team has done is for a long time fathers were thought of as an independent variable right uh, when you have a dad that's engaged and involved how does that impact kid and partner and and over the past you know 10 15 years or so there has been a shift to more research which includes the father as a dependent variable by being engaged and involved how do things like social support and his sense of masculinity and relationship with his partner, how do those things impact him? And, and the specific point that my team really focuses on is paternal involvement with infants, father's involvement with babies, which for the longest time was, does he kick out money? Does he live there? And that's it. And for us, it has been much more about taking a concrete multidimensional look at how is he involved in terms of doing the work of fatherhood, in terms of doing, in terms of having a more complicated emotional relationship with the baby, the sort of meta-management part of of being a parent. And so bringing more nuance and more multidimensionality and pushing against the tendency to just boil us down to, here's this one way, it's seductive because it's clean and it's simple. But frankly, it is largely outdated if you take that approach writ large. And so what, what, I, what I, my, my wish is for, is for men, and I'm thinking about my teens.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm thinking about my sons and, and my boys, like my, my wish is for them to have an awareness of the different facets of me and to be willing to see what people are mirroring back to and to, and to take that in.
0: Beautiful, so well said. You know, I'm I'm thinking that um, they'll probably be maybe invite you to come back for round two of this at some point. I mean, that I would like to do a deep dive with you on parental involvement in the infant ear specifically and hear more about cool. your research. That's and, my Jimmy Jam. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for for you know hanging out in the conceptual frame with me here and sort of uh, in some sense indulging that. But but I but I think it was. Really, meaning it was very meaningful to me. But yeah, I would love that deep dive at some point. And you know, I I think maybe I mentioned to you, but one of the programs that we offer is called Fatherhood Ready, and so it's a, it is it's catching guys, you know, in that window of you know conception to to new dadhood, and offering the space for you know reflection and feedback and digging and just just a really good intensive sort of um, support and challenge structure. But I, yeah, all, all, all that just to say the I I want what you got there. I I wanna wanna learn from you in that area, and uh, and so we'll we'll probably see you back here someday. Yeah, I
1: wanna I wanna absorb what you got to. <laughs> I know yeah. you got a deep bench as well, so let's do it.
0: Well, thanks, man. Thanks for taking uh, time out of your day and bringing your wisdom. And um, yeah, this was really wonderful and deeply valuable. And uh, uh, we'll see you again sometime.
1: Likewise. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this conversation. If you got uh, even a little bit as much from that as I did, I think I did my job and I'm proud uh, to know Dan and I'm proud to sort of have these conversations um, just to frame one thing he said, you know, is, is the part of my intention, he got it right, is to sort of feed back to the world a version of fatherhood, a version of spirituality, a ver- version of, of this life with more nuance and more clarity. And um, I'm sure I'm not getting most things right, but hopefully I'm getting a few. And I really appreciate you being part um, of this community just by listening. You are part of a community. It's meaningful and it's growing. So please help it grow by sharing. And uh, yeah, encouragement is just to, you know, go enjoy your day, enjoy your life. And, and uh, if if nothing else, give your kid one extra hug. All right. Thank you.